everybody, and welcome to the Energetic Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa LaFera, an astrologer, tarot consultant, all-around creative from sunny San Diego, California. And this is the 127th episode of the podcast, airing January 17th, 2022. So happy full moon in Cancer to all of you listening on the day of release. Now, in this episode, I'm delighted to welcome special guest Stephanie Warner to join me in conversation on Aquarius Season 2022, where Stephanie and I go through all the ins and outs of the future-focused Saturnian season of fixed air. We chat about the reactivation of the Saturn-Uranus square, Jupiter getting settled into Pisces, where there's going to be a Uranus activation, and also the activation of the midway point between eclipse season that the Leo full moon will flamboyantly illuminate. Much is also said on the Plutonic Mercury retrograde period and Venus emerging from her retrograde period to hold hands with a productive Mars who has also joined the Capricorn party. Now, really, it is all things Saturn up in here, aside from rogue Jupiter and Neptune. Uh, So, you know, get ready to slow your roll, straighten out priorities, and make the most of this extremely constructive period ahead. Now, if you'd like to show support of this broadcast, uh, you can do so over at energeticprinciples.com, where you can book a personal consultation, or if you want to uh, donate a tip or anything along those lines, or even sign up for my monthly newsletter called The Heavenly Wind, you can do so on my website. Hmm. But my website, the only problem is at this particular moment on this full moon in my ninth house with uh, Pluto conjunct the sun in my third is the server for my actual website right when I redesigned it, which was going to be my exciting thing that I was going to share. Hey, my new designed website. Um, It went down. It's not just my website. It's a lot of people's websites and it's email too. So I'm kind of down and out right now when it comes to website and email. But hopefully when this goes up, it will be back and running. But I'm really at the mercy, the mercy, the mercy of uh, corporate technical difficulties. So if you're trying to reach out or get to my website and it's not up, just hang in there. Hopefully it'll sort itself out soon. But you know, wish me luck uh, because I'd love to share my new website that I spent all this time designing and getting up. So hopefully you'll be able to see it soon. But aside from that, who is ready to hear all about Aquarius season? Here we go. Now let's meet our guest. All right. I am so happy to welcome. We have a new guest on the podcast. I'd like to welcome Stephanie Warner to the program. Thank you for joining me, Stephanie. Thank you so much for having me. And Stephanie was recommended to me by my uh, dear friend, Christina Caudill, who I was looking for someone for Aquarius season. It's like, I love talking to the people that were, that have joined me on the podcast several times, but I always like talking to new people too and getting fresh perspectives. And I reached out to Christina. I was like, what, you know of anybody that uh, might be? She's like, oh, I met this uh, sharp woman named Stephanie during... During a trip to New York uh, a couple months ago, and she's like, "You should definitely reach out to her." So, um, yeah, you had a wonderful New York adventure right before everyone had a hard time going anywhere again, right? <laughs> yeah, it was very well, very well timed, and felt like just this kind of enchanted window of freedom before shit got 
Saturn-y and real again. Enchanted <laughs> yeah. window of freedom. That's funny. That's funny. Um, it, I feel like the last couple of years have given us literally just that. It's like you just get this like small moment mm-hmm. <laughs> where if you just catch it, it's like riding a rainbow, you know, if you just get it at the right <laughs> yeah. moment. Um, kind of like the contractions, right? Of the Saturn Uranus. Yes. Like sort of for every step forward or every like tantalizing taste of freedom, we have to take three steps back. Yeah quite agonizing. I know I had to, I had to cancel my trip. I was supposed to go up to Washington, um, in the earlier part of, well, mid January. And, uh, I, you know, I'm an astrologer. I should have known better, you know, Jupiter square in the nodes. We were going to leave on sun, uh, Venus retrograde conjunction, come back when Mercury was stationing. I'm like in my mind, cause my partner really wanted to go. I really need to get out his birthday. And, you know, I'm like, I feel you. I know, I know what you want. I know what you want, (laughs) baby. Let's do it. And then as it got closer and closer, it's just everything. So we just ended up just canceling and hopefully we'll go back in February. I was supposed to meet up with Gray Crawford and uh, unfortunately uh, had to pull that back, but I was having Saturn transits too, to my Mercury, Jupiter, there was a lot, all types of things going on. So my, my serendipitous (laughs) rainbow ride was it was a mirage. Um, so. Well, like time is so weird right now. It feels, even though that was only two months ago, it feels like 200. Right. And to think I was, you know, I was in DC as well and was in this big, you know, club. Nobody, it was like just total bacchanal and a Halloween party. And it was like this brief kind of, I think COVID's over and this uh, just relief was so intoxicating and yeah, I, anyway, time is weird. Time (laughs) is weird. Weird things to time. Yeah. And I remember talking about this when we had the, uh, Jupiter Saturn conjunction, uh, at the beginning of Aquarius and looking back at, you know, repeating the air pattern and, um, in the in conjunction air, uh, Aquarius and thinking about the 1200s and the 1300s, uh, when we last had this like epoch of air and, yeah. uh, and one of the things that I found fascinating about that time was they talked about the concept of time just changing and people getting mm-hmm. more, um, connected with time and clockworks and calendar right. and like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and the, so the, the most popular app now is called TikTok. So I, oh God, I love that. Yeah. That says something for sure. Yeah, for um, sure. and I know a lot of people have been talking about that, like the concept of time. And I know, I know COVID will do that to you and the, and the, and our, like our daily yeah. life is just so different. And the fact that we are doing this at zoom, you know, we're on our computer so much of the day, people mm-hmm. working from home. Uh, we don't have the same like routine schedules and it's just like, where, what day is it? Well, what? it's like circadian rhythms as well. Like with all yeah. the screen time and the blue light yeah. that we're constantly assaulting our eyeballs with. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've got sort of red light, you know, blue light blockers and use them as much as I can, but it's, I don't think we're meant to be living this much through the eyes and definitely, um, yeah, just lacking those sort of communal, I don't know, Jupiterian rituals and, you know, gathering like Mm. at Christmas or 
through the year, it's, I think that's a really important way to mark time as well, or to feel this, that time is alive. Like when we're amputated from that social context of time and rights and pagan, you know, stuff, it's, it's not good for the yeah. soul. Yeah, it is. Fingers crossed. Fingers, we're getting yeah. somewhere. Um, yeah. I don't, <laughs> not, we're still, no idea of the metaverse. We're moving towards. Yeah, that. we're still trying to figure that out. Um, but uh, that's a really great point about the circadian rhythms too. It's because uh, that blue light. I tell you, I don't know if you ever look away from a. I'm, I'm sure you do. I'm sure we all do. Everybody's <laughs> gonna go. Yeah, uh, you look away from the computer, and you're. It's just like a daze. You like look yeah. around, and not only your eyes cloudy, your brain is foggy. Um, it has this really Neptunian sort of feeling to it where it's just like, you got to catch yourself. There's, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. And we talk about more of like going into virtual reality and, (laughs) and living, like you talk about the metaverse and, and, uh, all, um, uh, Zuckerberg's vision of, uh, of meta and like how we le- we're going to live and view each other in this virtual space. And I'm like, I don't know if my brain can take it. I'm like, to be honest, I'm like, <laughs> I feel like I'm, senility I'm, will come early. <laughs> I'm too weary for the, the metaverse. I'm yeah. It's, I, I was reading a tweet this morning. I think it was Georgina Rose, but it was something along the lines of, um, I've been thinking about how Mark Zuckerberg is the demiurge of the metaverse mm. and it's, yeah, he's, there is something slightly <laughs> alien about him. Um, yeah. well, and it is so perfect. We're going to talk about Aquarius season because if there's one sign that gets associated totally. with alien, <laughs> not yes. that Mark Zuckerberg, I don't even know if he has any Aquarius in his chart. I know he's heavy uh, Taurus Scorpio, Taurus which Scorpio, is going to be yeah. in Capricorn, which is going to be very interesting for all the eclipses and nodal changes that are happening there. But that's for actually for our next program <laughs> that I'm going to be doing. <laughs> going to be doing a node panel uh, coming up here uh, soon. So just hang in there for that. Um, but before oh. we get started on the Aquarius season, I want to give you a, a second to tell the people who you are, what you, what you do, uh, where you, where you are, et cetera. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm based in Nelson, British Columbia. Um, for the moment, <laughs> I, my Gemini rising is getting very restless and oh. sort of yeah, strategizing, maybe a move down south at some point. Um, but yeah, I have had sort of a zigzaggy trajectory in terms of, you know, where I've lived. And I was an expat for many, many years and was primarily based in Spain. And, you know, Saturn in the seventh house will we'll do that in Sagittarius. Um, I had sort of a long-term relationship that sort of rooted me in Barcelona for Mm. 10 years of my life. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, And through that time, I was studying astrology. Um, I'm mostly self-taught, but consider I have, you know, several (laughs) teachers in my, in my orbit that I tune into. Um, The lectures of Achita Baba Das have been really sort of formative for me and Chris Brennan's, you know, mm-hmm. podcast. That was a big turning point and sort of got me really serious about um, 
studying astrology and just immersing myself in it. But astrology has been sort of, yeah, tantalizing me since, I don't know, age 10 or... Oh, wow. It's it's quite some time. Yeah. (laughs) I guess, yeah. Like I remember, you know, growing up in rural Canada, every summer I would you know, take a sleeping bag and just sleep on the deck and fall asleep looking at the stars. Um, We had very little light pollution. So that was, yeah, there's always just been a fascination um, with the heavens. And I, I think the turning point was discovering tarot cards as well. And yeah, yeah. That was kind of my gateway drug. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I remember we had like one of those middle school, you know, when you're pretending to be an entrepreneur and you have like a little fake business that you set up and I was doing tarot readings and like in the corner, this weird kind of (laughs) little foreshadowing. foreshadowing. (laughs) Um, Anyway, so, so yeah, I, but I, I have been sort of my other, you know, I guess passion would be writing. And I've been sort of through the (laughs) academia rigmarole and feel like I've been in school forever. Um, My ninth house is ruled by Saturn. Oh, okay. Yeah. That'll keep you there forever. (laughs) The Um, steady climb. (laughs) Yeah. Very steady, pushing the boulder up the hill. Um, And yeah, so I... I've studied poetry, um, have been working on my PhD in poetry, and I'm about to defend next week. So that's, yeah, kind of a huge Saturn in the ninth. Is Saturn in the, and Mercury retrograde happening? I know, oh, that's me a little bit nervous. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, fuck, I'm going to have to go back and do corrections or, yeah, Um but anyway, I think I'm I'm choosing to frame Mercury, you know, retrograding through the ninth as me returning to my thesis and yes. pouring over it with a fine tooth comb and annotating it and, you know, anticipating possible questions and things I will have to defend. <laughs> Absolutely. That makes a lot of sense because it's not like, it's not like you're writing it right now. There is, it's not no, like you're just no, starting it's this. Done. It's, it's a long, long time in the making, uh, with Saturn <laughs> behind that. So it, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, and that's what I love about actually Mercury retrograde is the fact that we do have the time to fine tune and hone things in and discern the little problems and, and reroute them or rework them or rethink right. them or, or just look at something that we've already been doing, but in a whole new light, which I think is very mm-hmm. Aquarian in nature. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. that's the beauty of Aquarius is hopefully we can rise to a, a higher or uh, shifted perspective around um, something that, you know, that is it's important for our future too, because Aquarius mm-hmm. is very future minded. And Definitely. so, you know, like, how are you going to like your whole, uh, your whole future plan is probably tied up in completing this work and, and, um, moving on from your, I don't need, what are you going to do after school? Once you get a PhD, I guess you can get another one. What do one. I do when I grow up? Yeah, <laughs> oh, I know. That's a... Well, it's a funny story about the PhD is that I was, and this is quite illustrative of like the, you know, 
Pisces, Jupiter and Pisces, between Pisces and Aquarius Mm -hmm. um, that we've been having. But I started, I kind of landed my, in many ways, like a dream job. Um, So I've been working at Chani Nicholas since August, last, like this past August, and was interviewing for that job um, over over July. And I think first applied during eclipse season in June. Um, But yeah, so Jupiter, I think the day that I, that they made the decision was, it was either on, I think it was the day after my birthday, but I had had, you know, like a full moon on Aquarius full moon on my birthday. And I remember um, dear, we were talking about the great conjunction, but I remembered, you know, when you could see Saturn and Jupiter in the sky together yeah. um, in that winter sky during sort of the depths of my like pandemic exile in Canada and isolation. I distinctly remember, you know, walk, taking one of my night walks along the creek and just kind of looking up at Saturn and Jupiter and that they're beautiful, you know. Um, I guess some people some people were calling it the Star of Bethlehem, and anyway, it, it inspired a lot of awe in yeah. sort of wonder. And you know, it sounds cheesy, but I thought I'm going to wish upon this. No, week. and that's, that's how magic is made, <laughs> right? And so I I just remember asking the universe, like, I really I want to have a job in 2021. You know, that will allow me to travel, like to have freedom to travel and to make money writing. And I had this vision of myself as kind of a roving astrologer, just pitching up in different Airbnbs over, over the world, writing from my laptop. And, and anyway, so the, you know, the full moon rolls around and it's triggering the exact degree of the great conjunction. That's right. I remember that full moon. Yeah. So and that was when I got the the job offer. And anyway, magic is Ma- magic is real, people. Times <laughs> that's right. That's right. Oh, that was such an interesting time period too, because we had those that double Aquarius full moon, where I feel like there was so much that happened at um, that like almost like an introductory thing that happened at the zero degree, uh, full moon. And then the the month later at the 29 degree one or or 28 degrees, uh, can't remember Mm -hmm. which one. It was almost like there was a follow-up to that story. Like it it was a, it was a pivotal, uh, back-to-back cycle in my life for sure. That sets me up for Mm -hmm. where I am today. And so I feel like there, which is interesting. I love that you brought that up because I mean, as we talk about Aquarius season, looking back to that time in late uh, July and late August and having that, those extra full moons in Aquarius, there could be storylines that are being developed upon, um, you know, from all that Aquarius energy that we uh, integrated then, especially with the Saturn Uranus component coming around all those Leo planets that were activating Aquarius energy. Uh, and now we're at Aquarius season. And of course we get that Aquarius new moon, uh, that will happen pretty close to Saturn there. Uh, but yeah, so there is, um, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. (laughs) Like, what do I say about that? Well, Well, it was funny as well to, you know, have Jupiter, 
go, you know, leave my 10th house after this kind of career breakthrough and return, Yes, I guess, to my ninth. Mm-hmm. And that's when I, I had to focus on sort of both my <laughs> PhD and starting this new job. And anyway, then Saturn's like, oh, my dear Stephanie, are you ready to work? <laughs> was, oof, yeah, I've been yeah. Feeling- my fixed placements have really been feeling Saturn Uranus over the past year. Join the club. I feel you on that one. Oh, my. <laughs> oh. We need like a support group or something. We do. I think we have each other. I think these podcasts have served that support group. Um, but you know what? We are going into another fixed season. So yeah. <laughs> here's this, here's the support now. Um, hopefully. Uh, but yeah, so let's get into Aquarius season here, which is gonna start on Wednesday, January 19th. And um, we'll roll through some chart action if you're watching the video of this once we get down into to the transit breakdown, but we're going to give a little overview first of just kind of like what's, what's going on in the sky, the bigger, uh, motions of what the, what this time period will kind of elicit. Um, I mean, one of the first things that happens is obviously with Aquarius season, uh, we bring in fixed air. So we're leaving the cardinal earth of Capricorn, but we're not yeah. leaving Saturn because this is the, this no. is the time of year when, you know, when we have Capricorn season and Aquarius season, but this is back to back Saturn territory. So Saturn and Aquarius continues to be in focus here, but we're bringing in uh, the fixed air quality. So is there, is there anything that I mean, if I were to be like, Stephanie, what comes to mind with Aquarius and fixed air? What were, what would be the first things off the tip of your tongue? Well, I mean, first of all, I think Aquarius energy, like, you know, Saturn through interfacing through an air sign has that sort of, it does have more maybe intellectual freedom and mobility and almost sort of like a freewheeling free ability to make wild hypotheses or to you know, um, put out a manifesto that challenges the status quo. Um, but it's still, there's still something very like cold and Saturnian about, mm-hmm. its, about its application. And it's sort of like, okay, the revolution may look really good on paper, but then there can sometimes be that disconnect of how it actually plays out when you you know, because Saturn as the furthest, you know, planet that we can see with the naked eye, there's like that remoteness and almost slightly alien quality in Aquarius. And so I think sometimes like what looks good on paper, like ideologically can sometimes come up against like the irrationality of human nature Mm. or the the mess and the, so that's maybe like one of the struggles that we come across with Aquarius and sort of like, because it's fixed air, there's also that potential sort of dogmatic or ideological rigidity. Yeah. And (laughs) sometimes have like the revolutionaries, the rebels, but, and they overthrow the oppressor, but then become like the oppressor. So themselves, yeah. (laughs) That sort of, you know, side of it. But, you know, Aquarius is so essential in helping us to imagine the blueprints of new worlds and to see beyond in that sort of Saturnian way. Like if I think in Capricorn, there's more of confronting the, the, you know, the walls of our institutions or 
sort of an emphasis on maintaining them or sort of keeping them solid. But Aquarius is sort of willing to, you know, climb over the wall and venture into the unknown. And so there's still like that awareness of the castle wall, but a desire to maybe see what's beyond it. That Well, I love that because well, when we think about just the very nature of outward energy and air, fire versus earth mm-hmm. and water, you know, like mm-hmm. if someone's going to venture out of the castle wall or put something into motion or make an outward reach, like this is, this mm-hmm. is air, this is fire versus the more receptive, you know, internalized qualities of earth and water. So it's almost like Saturn in action versus Saturn in stasis, not stasis, but I mean, because yeah. a lot of times that's what sim- systems are. They're, they're more they're, conservative, sort of resting, conservation. I like that, resting. Conservative. Yeah. Um, so there, there is that, but it, you're absolutely right with the idealistic quality that comes. It's interesting because both Aquarius and Pisces deal with idealism, but in different ways, you know, there's like emotional idealism, creative idealism, et cetera, heart bleeding idealism that yeah. comes with Pisces. But idealism for Aquarius is just like visionary idealism. Like this is, this is the rigidity of like what I see in the mind. And that's why, cause you know, Uranus, uh, modern ruler, um, mm-hmm. of Aquarius. And, uh, I can, I can see some things behind that, but, uh, you know, Uranus is not as speaking as someone with Uranus on the ascendant, <laughs> like Uranus is on not, descendant. <laughs> it's on your descendant. Okay. Yeah. Well, we got it angular. Um, yeah. There is, they're always like, oh, it's the rebel that's going to do, you know, break the norm. And yeah, actually it can be that way, but it's also the most rigid, it could be the most rigid, staunch, like I am in this position. This is exactly, I don't bend. I don't, I will break before I, you know, bend in any way. And so it's a little bit of, um, we just have to realize that when we're going into Aquarius season. And one of the things that you had brought up about, um, Aquarius, like looking at the bigger picture and having the idealism with him and how that plays mm-hmm. out is like one of the big things for Aquarius season is going to be Mercury retrograding mm-hmm. in Aquarius and then back into Capricorn. And one of the things yeah. I think is so, um, potent about the, uh, the Mercury retrogrades this year is the fact that they go from air to earth. Mm, yeah. And so, so interesting. It, and when we, and so to the point that you raised with the idealism and how it actually plays out, it's like, where it, it, does that have a pragmatic application? Is it, is it real world ready? Um, or is, is it, it even beholden to natural law or sort of humbled oh, by the, I like that sort of serious earthy climate change reality. Yeah. So pandemic realities, you know, that we're working within. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think that's going to be a big part of, of this season, especially when Mercury goes to retrograde and, uh, <laughs> basically, oh, it's already retrograde as we're talking about this. There's yeah. so many things that happened before, right before Stephanie and I got on, I found out that my website is down, my emails down. So if anybody's trying to reach me right now, and hopefully it'll be fixed before you listen to this podcast, my AirPods were not juiced up. You, you know, Stephanie, you had All some things, things too. You were, you had things <laughs> yeah. coming up too. And I was like, oh. I realized I was annotating an older version of my thesis. So for the past week, I've been 
in this panic of how did I submit something with so many mistakes and missing paragraphs and citations <laughs> and uh, was really like flagellating myself for that and then realized, oh, that is not the final draft. And yeah. all, everything has been resolved in the final draft. So I, I'm now looking at the correct thesis, but that's Thank sort goodness. of still doubling and, you know, it's very tricksy. In that it, it is, it is. Um, but it'd be very interesting once Mercury goes uh, direct uh, during Aquarius season on the third, uh, and it's going to be in on proximity. Pluto. On Pluto. It's on, it's in proximity to Pluto, basically from the conjunction on the 28th of January, I think until about the 11th is the next conjunction somewhere in there, but it's like a good two week plus period where it is Mercury, Pluto. I was looking up some of the things that happened sort of in the news headlines during the last Mercury meeting of Mercury and Pluto. And the one that stood out to me was the Ghislaine Maxwell guilty verdict. So I'm sort of curious to see if there are, you know, further developments. I I think, you know, they're trying for a a retrial based on claims, or I guess the argument is like a miss, you know, misremembering or sort of, um, what's that called? Sort of implanted memories. That's what Mm. they're trying to argue a retrial for and that in itself is very kind of mercury retrograde or kind of combing or venus retrograde rather as well the you know whole <laughs> the lane case hades sort of abducting you know a young woman and taking her to the to the underworld the world or, yeah or many um anyway so I'm, I'm just curious to see if there's going to be some another headline or plot twist. But. I absolutely think there's going to be, because that's the curious thing about having Mercury retrograde um, in this Pluto conjunction, but also coinciding with the fact that Venus is still retrograde here too. You know, yeah. we yeah. the Aquarius season starts and we still got 10 days left of Venus retrograde and she's going to go back over Pluto too. And it seemed like that conjunction of Venus retrograde, Mercury, Pluto all together Um, and then what had been carried out after that point up into the retrograde of Mercury just a few days ago here on the 14th of January is there were so many of those cases coming into light. You have the Uh, case that you just brought up. You have, we have the, the Theranos woman, the, um, who uh, who got Elizabeth Holmes. Holmes. We have the, the, um, our, I'm butchering it at the, the three men, the arm mod murder, uh, and the three men that were that murderers that, uh, all got life sentences. There's just all this, uh, you know, very, there's a lot of potent jurisdiction, you know, judicial things well, that fact, are happening Fauci as well was questioned. Um, yeah, there was the, I guess the vaccine mandate in the States was blocked by the Supreme Court, if I'm remembering that correctly. Mm. Yeah, there's just been a lot of um, stuff coming up with, you know, censorship as well, I suppose. Like tech, censorship is a sort of a theme of Saturn Uranus, and that's something that we'll probably continue to encounter. But there was kind of a big furore about... um, I think it was 270 doctors um, sort of signed a letter asking Spotify to remove Joe Rogan from, you know, their, you know, list of podcasts on claims of misinformation. Anyway, so there's just like a lot 
of, yeah, sound and fury and chaos. Uh, <laughs> the volcano. <laughs> the volcano. I know I woke up to a tsunami um, uh, advisory on my phone yesterday for all the West Coast. It was like, and it was weird. It was like tsunami uh, um, warning and effect. And could have waves up to one to two feet. And I was like, what? I'm like, isn't a wave more than one to two feet naturally? <laughs> I'm like, what is going? Did you forget zeros? Like, I, I didn't know what was going on. Um, nothing happened that I know of, but uh, it was just uh, interesting. And we think about that too, because uh, as we speak, one of the one of the interesting ways that Aquarius is going to be introduced is it's just a few days after that dynamic full moon in Cancer uh, that is uh, opposite Pluto when the Sun is conjuncting yeah. Pluto too, and um, and it's interesting that the the volcano uh, erupted and the tsunami warning because I was very fascinated with the tsunamis uh, in Indonesia. The one I think it was in mm-hmm. two thousand four, then there was a one. Um, a handful, well, it was like five, six years ago now, but the very interesting thing about both of those tsunamis is they both culminated uh, right before a cancer full moon. Um, yeah, that just happened to be, uh, but they, but they'd happen in Gemini, the tail degrees of Gemini, and it would always have like Pluto involved. And so hopefully one day I'll write something on that because it's interesting. The whole thing. I love weather astrology, but, um, so when I saw plutonic, like the volcano erupting, yes, plutonic and subterranean energy flows, you know, exploding to the surface. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and it's very Uranus. And well, you know, that's another thing too, is Uranus is stationing direct right before this whole thing too. And we know Uranus and Taurus has definitely brought us some interesting, uh, land, uh, adjustments and climate change and weather patterns and things land along those lines. Selling for millions of dollars in the I know. as well. <laughs> like the, oh my God. Yeah. Cause we're in, we're in the market. I don't know what market I'm in. I'm like, what? I'm in the market, but am I in the market? Like, <laughs> I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, the um, housing bubble here in Canada is pretty insane. Is it? Yeah, it's it's bad. <laughs> yeah, it's bad here uh, in well in San Diego. It's like it's one of the most expensive places to live now, and uh, you know you're buying like shoebox houses. A friend of mine was mm-hmm. trying to find a house for how long? She had a decent budget of like I think like five hundred fifty thousand dollars, and just kept getting outbid, 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 and she finally got a house. The only reason she got a house was because she was able to work with the the people that lived there that needed more time to like get things out. And she's like, I'll give you two months extra. Like, and that's the only reason she got the house. She had to like barter with time and like read. It was just a whole well, thing. You wonder but. like something's got to give when people are you know, yes. with supply chain issues as well, when you can't put food on the table, when basic questions of shelter, you know, survival, which is very Taurus, you know, like what do you need? What do you need to support the health of the body? And um, I think a lot, there's just a lot of Saturn Uranus, you know, contracting and tectonic plates shifting. It's just shifting. And yeah, it's this- like, I'm just waiting for the, I don't know, like something's got to give. We, it's like everyone that I talk to, we are all waiting for this other like shoe to drop. Like there's just this sense of anticipation for something 
for a great release, a great shift, a great, like something. It's just, <laughs> like, hopefully, I don't know. But, yeah. and, and you know, we're going to see, that's the thing is we have to pay attention to uh, Aquarius season because Aquarius is going to get us in touch with the Saturnian side of it and it's going to activate sure. the Uranian uh, component. And we know that the eclipses that are going to be coming for this year later on in like late April, May, and then uh, November, we have... We we're gonna we are like on the Saturn. Saturn's doing its thing. Saturn's gonna continue to do its thing. Yeah. But once those eclipses hit, we're in Uranus territory. Like Saturn's still got that domicile, but Uranus is gonna really be lit up throughout the year. So and Saturn is without the Jupiterian buffer. Exactly. So just left to its own devices in domicile. <laughs> with Jupiter being like, you know, maybe we could rein this back a little bit or. Um, and Jupiter, of course, will be doing its own thing, yes. also in domicile, but it, it feels very polarized. Like there's going to be two, there's going to be sort of this, this very Saturnian sort of, yeah, um, authoritarian thing that's still happening, but then this Dionysian kind of wild <laughs> bacchanal, um, sort of creative renaissance and maybe a renaissance of um yeah just a, a cultural renewal that people will be thirsting for and with the eclipses as you say which are going to be so uranian like the the hunger of the north node in taurus for sort of venusian things mm-hmm, yeah getting back to earthy embodied <laughs> reality and connection and you know, maybe turning away from this kind of cold, <laughs> virtual, very sort of ideological, you know, <laughs> politics is its residue has been in in everything. And it, yeah. feels, it feels like the last two years sort of reality has been um yeah, sort of there's just been this, we've led our conversations with politics and you know, the sort of more spontaneous or organic re- dimension of connection, the commons, like we've been very cut off from that, especially, you know, interfacing in virtual realms and the echo chambers that can sort of propagate through screens, um, not being able to put like a, a human to the the avatar. And that really, I think, changes how you interact with other humans. But I'm wondering if there will be this kind of enough already. We need to have conversations in person. We need to, you know, return to that sort of more earthly dimension, I guess. Yeah. And I and I think that's absolutely going to be the case. And there could be these uh, these dual realities going on where, <laughs> you know, like having both because we think about Jupiter and Saturn and the idea of expansion and, uh, and contraction, like it's the, their, their antithesis is one another. And now that they're in aversion to one another where Jupiter was like, okay, well, I'm going to play on your team. They, Saturn, they can't see each other, but they can't see each other and they're both yeah. doing their job. And so it's like, you know, a lot of people are like, Oh, is it going to be like the roaring twenties and, you know, like prohibition style. And it's probably not going to be exactly that, but there are going to be some yeah. elements to me in my mind, like there's still going to be a strong Saturn, Um, But there's going to be a strong Jupiter that wants to have that, you know, Pisces loves to connect, loves to create, loves to 
you know, just be carefree in the sense of like, I just want to go with the flow. I don't want all these rigid rules. I don't want to like have to confine to this thing. Like I'm water. I flow where I want. I go where I please. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Are you ready to flow? Are we ready to flow? No, I, both- <laughs> I am. All my water placements are feeling very hemmed in. I know. Um, we're both cancers, so we're we're ready to flow. We are actively ready to flow. Oh my gosh. I, once I start flowing, I probably won't stop. Stop. <laughs> not sure where I'll end up. Maybe South America. Oh, that's funny. Oh, I hope you do. Well, I hope that's you get on those adventures. That's the, hey, Jupiter. Jupiter yeah. be carrying you places. Riding that wave. Um, so yeah, so we have basically Saturn Uranus getting activated here. We were getting settled into old Jupiter in Pisces. And what's interesting is right at the end of Aquarius, Jupiter is going to sextile Uranus, which is one of its big moves Mm -hmm. in, um, while in Pisces, which we'll get to when we do the play by play. So that's an interesting component too, which kind of gives a pretty strong Jupiter hit at the end of Aquarius season. Um, and, you know, we're going to feel the nodes and Taurus and Scorpio just switch over. Right, There's so much that happens right before Aquarius season starts that it just really like ushers us into like this, almost like how you started off with talking about Aquarius, this new reality or like looking at this bit different picture and like, where are we going? What are we doing? Yeah. So that being said, um, I mean, a new picture is welcome. Yeah, point. you like, I'll take it. I'll, I'll take I'll it. I'll take anything. Get me <laughs> off the panel. <laughs> well, and it's interesting too. The last thing I'll say about Aquarius before we get into play by play is like, this is because of those nodes shifting. This is in the way the, um, the full moon, uh, in Leo was going to set up is that we are in the middle of eclipse season. So this is the halfway point, which is always very pivotal in the sense of like making decisions, turning corners, you know, choosing one path over another, you know, the square tension energy that is very dynamic to the <laughs> overall, uh, just trajectory of wh- where we're going. So, well, I, I like one, just one other thing about Saturn in Aquarius as well. Mm-hmm. There's that sort of, um, awareness of social divides or partitions like Mm. you get very there are like very rigid social categories or and I'm just curious to see sort of how Jupiter in Pisces sort of troubles that it feels like there's there being just very you know stark binaries at play lately and in dialogue like sort of you know, I don't want to get into the whole vaccine thing, the anti-vax, you know, pro-vax or red pill, woke, like all of these binaries that are so ridiculous. And it's what like, category do you fit in? You know, like, <laughs> like you have to how can we label player. you? <laughs> yeah. And like leading with these sort of very rigid labels. And I, I think Jupiter and Pisces is like, well, we're all just, you know, souls in, in you know, flesh suits but the the reality the soul is very nuanced and subtle and yeah so maybe there will be like more of a kind of seeing beyond the these kind of really plastic like social categories and just seeing the divinity in everybody even Mm, our enemies sometimes 
Well, that's hey, that is the the path to uh, enlightenment is to be oh, able to. Very heady. Yeah, it was like, are we going to become whoa? Like, are we going to have a great awakening? Someone was talking about that the other day. I'm like, I don't know if we've ever had a great awakening. Uh, there's always going to be someone asleep, uh, and and what's awakened is different to other people too. You know, like it's probably the, a lot of people capitalizing. On- yeah. Or, right. You know, yes. Sort of false gurus. Yes, that's true too. Would work. Yeah, and we'll save that for Pisces season. Because <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, but I love that. I love that you bring that up because it's a great point, um, and one that I hope that we can uh, we can we can loosen the stance a little bit because it's yeah. it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a burden to carry as a society. Yeah. It's heavy. Um, it's hard to talk or like have, you know, to enter that space of sort of curiosity and emergence and flow states, like when you're worried about offending somebody or I, I don't know, like it's, it's a whole thing, but and I, loosening would be, would be nice. It would be nice. And I, I love just thinking about that because when we think about air signs and we think about the communication process and ideas and intellectualizing, et cetera, you know, we essentially have three options under air. We have a Venusian air of Libra. We have mm-hmm. the mercurial air of Gemini, but then we have the Saturnian air of yeah. Aquarius. And I mean, um, do you want to be around Mercury air and Venus air a little more than Saturn air? I Maybe <laughs> not always, but if, you know, if you're like, what party do you want to engage with? <laughs> I'm probably going to the, well, I would choose Gemini and Libra over the Aquarius. Gemini rising is definitely partial to some yeah, yeah, Gemini sure. chaos. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think we've just been under Saturn's sort of mandates for yeah. so long and Saturnian heaviness. And it's going to feel so nice as some of that breaks apart. Yeah, oh, I hope so. Or at um, least another dialogue. Exactly. Like just a little something different here. Um, but you know, we need Saturn. We need Saturn. As the cat, my Capricorn moon will tell you, <laughs> you need it. Um, but you know, what are the, you know, uh, what is my partner likes to say? Uh, everything in moderation, including moderation. I always thought moderation. that was kind of <laughs> It's funny, but you know, we do need moderation. It's a life is a balance and it can't be too heavy. It can't be too light. We got to find the middle. So, um, yeah, the bitters, we, we yeah. need the bitters just as much as we need the sweets. Absolutely. So, all right, well, let's get into our transit play by play. I feel like it's a little lighter than last month, but there's still yeah. plenty going on. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and share so we can see some screen action um there and let me all right so like i got so many screens going on as you're putting this up i can hear somebody's tires squealing in the (laughs) the, you know (laughs) flush outside (laughs) so it feels very of the energy yes (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, we're actually recording this. We had to reschedule our recording of it. Um, yeah. with per- we were supposed to record on Mercury stationing retrograde, but that day was hectic. For I actually, uh, it's funny because in the space that we were supposed to record on the 14th, I rescheduled uh, having a Zoom call with one of my besties who I hadn't talked to in a while, and then she forgot. I'm like, this oh. time was not meant to be. <laughs> This time, Mercury is like, no, just don't plan, just be. Plan to um, plan. Yeah. Exactly. And so we're actually talking on the 16th here on Sunday, uh, while the sun is conjunct Pluto, we're leading up to this full moon, uh, the moon in um, Cancer as just opposed Venus retrograde. And so, yeah, this is, this is what we're under here. Um but so Aquarius season, January 19th, it begins, it begins on a Wednesday. Um, and what's interesting about right as it begins, and we kind of touched on this a little bit was the fact that the nodes just moved into Taurus and Scorpio and right before the sun moves into Aquarius, like literally like hours before, uh, the sun makes a trine to the North node that's now just crossed over energy. So there's an interesting, like, I don't know, I, you know, we think of nodes of destiny and just kind of that, like, so it's interesting to think about a nodal flow right before we get into this visionary Mm -hmm. season. Um, any thoughts on, on that? Like just kind of that pairing. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I mean, I feel like the, I was seeing a glimpse maybe of the nodal story. Um, Oddly enough, a couple months ago when I think there was a new moon that triggered sort of um, Uranus and Taurus. And of course, Uranus and Taurus is going to play such a big role in this nodal story. Um, But there was that, sorry, not to be too dark, but there was the (laughs) Travis Scott crowd crush sort of thing. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Was such I I was, you know, it was really disturbing, but I couldn't look away somehow. It was it just felt like this really, you know, like these, I don't know, submerged or scorpionic forces took over this crowd and it became its own sort of like there was this huge cathartic but kind of deadly riptide that went through that crowd and sort of, you know, sort of being crushed and, um, very underworldy. And anyway, I, I just, I, I think this nodal story will have, have these sort of explosions of, of release, sort of emotional release, collective, you know, we've been under so much for the past two years and we, I think we might begin to have these moments of just sort of releasing the grief of, Mm. you know, the pandemic and, or just sort of, yeah, like climate change is not going anywhere. Just finding, yeah, like that, that sort of howl of, of rage, but also bewilderment. I think there's going to be a lot of guttural sort of animal sort of outcries or things that need to be Mm. Both personally and within the collective. I I love that image because when I think um, 
it's funny because my partner who's a Capricorn, like, I feel like when he has a lot of tension built up and like, something's got to shift there, what needs to happen is like, mm-hmm. a lot of times we'll like driving, he'll like roll down the window and just scream like the primal <laughs> scream. And I like, yeah. to me, like having the North node and the sun trine at the final degrees of earth signs does seem very primal and animalistic in a way where it's just like, you have to like, just get it out of your body. Like, Oh, ah, I got it. I might have to just scream, uh, just in a cathartic way to like enter into like a new headspace or clearing your mind or like, I just have to let this go. I see where this is going. I, you know, I'm, I've got a lot to tackle ahead of me. We're in all these retrogrades. We're getting still in Saturn territory, but there just might need to be like, just kind of like a, ugh. like a, it'd be a great yoga day. It'd be a great nature oh, totally. walk day. Like yoga or something, yes. or just go, getting out in nature and plunging your hands into the soil or the mud or creek water or whatever it is. Just, you know, I think there's something I was reading that dirt um, actually, like the smell of dirt releases serotonin. Or something. Mm. Um, it could be a nice day just to repot some plants or oh, which I do need to do. Uh, <laughs> thank you for thank you for that reminder. <laughs> no worries. Yes. yes. Yeah, no, repot your plants right before because maybe then they will have what they need to like fully flourish and and grow under that trine. Very Capricorn like that, for us. That thirst, I guess, for a new story as well. And yeah, exactly. Know, yeah. There is yeah, like a Venusian um, yearning will confront the the more sort of, you know, Aquarian um, intellectual sphere, I suppose, like pierce the the heart and the mind might start to. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love that too, because, you know, Venus and Saturn together are considered friendly. Um, yeah. Uh, energies together, like they want to work together, and we need them when in relationship and uh, creativity and things. We need those two things together. Like you can't have creative constraint. But... Yes, like that's how, how that's how you can be truly creative is when you have enough um, enough boundaries that you know what container you can create within. And really? like Venus is that creative vibe, and Saturn can be that container. And so, like they. Mm-hmm. They uh, traditionally do are our friend and not foe. So um, yeah, we just can't. Once again, we get back to balance, and it's the same thing. Even with alchemical speaking, when you think of copper mm-hmm. and lead, you have to like yeah. balance out. You know, if you have too much Venusian copper, you got to bring that lead in there. Saturn's like, all right, you need to buckle down a little <laughs> bit here. Um, but if it's too lead, it's like, oh, I got to lighten up. I got to see some friends. I got to connect. I got to create. You know, I got to just relax. <laughs> um, I love alchemy as like a guiding theme through yeah. the astrology of Aquarius season. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll continue to touch on our alchemical components and see where, where it takes us. But that's really how the sun enters Aquarius just before that North Node trine, which is very interesting. But mm-hmm. um, not too long after that, uh, the next thing that takes place is basically always a, considered a decent big event. And that is when the sun is going to conjunct uh, Mercury retrograde or vice versa, actually, on the 23rd on Sunday at three degrees of Aquarius. Um, and so there's a couple things going on. We basically have that weekend and the beginning of the week 
Uh, we have the sun, Mercury retrograde inferior conjunction, and then we have Mars. that's going to ingress into Capricorn the next day. So we have two kind of like seeding moments or shifting energy on that Sunday through Monday. So let's talk about mm-hmm. that uh, inferior Kazemi first. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and you know, right in a kind of very sensitive. The early degrees of Aquarius are very sensitive. We've had many, we got Jupiter, Saturn that met there, Mars, Saturn met there. We're going to have Venus and Mars that are going to meet there in a handful of weeks. Um, and so what's your, what's your take on old Mercury starting a new red, new cycle, uh, in that Kazemi? Yeah, I, I mean, I feel like there is something probably, um, again, sort of that bridging of the, the earth and the air elements, like a sort of, um, drafting of the blueprints of sort of our future, um, you know, what, what structures are being put into place, but, but in that more sort of conceptual space, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And there, you know, with the Kazemi, there's, often epiphany or sort of a piercing moment of clarity for sort of, yeah, if we open ourselves um, to transmissions from, you know, the cosmos, there can be startling revelations. And like you you say, it might tie into this kind of broader story um, of entering into like the 200-year air age and time being strange and living in a, an age of airborne pathogens and mm. more decentralized, maybe power structures. Um, but I think it's a really good moment to just kind of like sit down and sort of draft plans. And you'll have that clarity with Saturn as well to really, you know, find the, like you'll have the mental mobility to kind of dream and scheme and hypothesize, but there will be very practical application and sort of going, yeah, like working against the grain of certain constraints as well, which can produce, like we were saying, more creativity or innovation as well. So, um, and, and, you know, Mars going into Capricorn, like this is a really one of the best Mars moments really of the year, I would say. Mars. Yes, we are all. I mean, yeah, I feel like we're all waiting for Mars to go into Capricorn. So it's interesting to think right. about just timeline wise, if we are going to sub- still subscribe to the idea of time, um, is that <laughs> is that I agree with you that there is a definitely a drafting, a planning, an epiphany, a transmission sort of day on the uh, on Sunday the 23rd, especially since we have the moon here in uh, Libra as well, that's going to be trining yeah. in to that conjunction. But what's interesting in, in having Mars at the 29th degree of Sagittarius, which is also very visionary and looking towards the journey forward. And it's at that mm-hmm. like very, you know, final critical degree of Sagittarius yeah, before. Yes. Very questy yeah. before it gets to work. And, um, you know, what's interesting is like, I've been under this journey. I've been on my own journey with uh, actually uh, Spencer Michaud, I wrangled mm-hmm. him in to do a, uh, a this book called Tarot and the Gates of Light. I think I'm cool. I have that uh, right. But 
Spencer Michaud's work. It's yeah, beautiful. Oh, great. And so we've been on this journey, uh, tarot journey through the Kabbalah for, it's a 49 day journey. And, um, it's based on the Jewish tradition of counting the Omer, which I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, but on the, in it, in, on the 50, I, so it's a 49 day journey. It's aligned with the tarot. And on the 50th day is the day of revelation. And so it's a Jewish practice that is not always aligned with the tarot, but it uh, it's aligned with um, coming to, they do this yearly to, and I'm butchering this. I am not Jewish. I respect Jewish practices and I'm very engaged in what I'm doing right now with it, but we lined it up to where our 50th day, when we come out of the final count, which is all about making each day count is actually going to be the sun Mercury retrograde Kazemi. So our day of revelation is what it's called is, is going to line up with this Kazemi. And so whether you're counting the Omer or not, um, I really feel like I'm, I have it even in my plan, my passion planner. It already says day of revelation. Like it's almost like give yourself some space that day. Give yourself some space to think, to plan, to uh, have some quiet, to uh, engage in learning something that might send you consciousness writing in your journal or, or, you know, yeah. Having your voice memo app at the ready. That's right you know, thoughts that come out of thin air. Yeah. Because, um, that's a small, it's a small window. And to think about, uh, the moon trining in there, giving extra air energy and the fact that Mars is about to move into Capricorn, which is definitely going to be a period of like, we can actually get things done, you know, concrete, real world, physical, like things are going to be done. Um, knowing where you're headed and being very clear on that process and having a plan, mm-hmm. you know, plan, but plan to change your plans always because you got to have that flexibility, but knowing enough of structure where you're headed is going to be so valuable to Mars moving into Capricorn. So let, let us talk yeah, about have your research questions very clearly. <laughs> yes, that's right. Um, I have a feeling you're going to be working on your <laughs> PhD work at that, at that point. Um, so yeah. So insert Monday here when, uh, well, let me get it close enough here. When Mars moves into Capricorn, like as you stated, it's it's exalted there. It likes to be in Saturn's yeah. domain, at least in the Capricornian nighttime domain. Um, yeah. And I don't know about you, I'm excited. I want to get things done. Yeah, get this, get the ball rolling. It's it's a very you know productive stretch of the year, and I think coming out of you know there there's just been so much so many roadblocks and, you know, restrictions. And I I think we're just going to find a groove, even if things are, excuse me, still sort of, you know, Saturnian, there will be, well, let's make lemonade out of these lemons or, you know? Yeah. It's like, I feel like ourselves in a corner. It's like, well, I'm going to make the best of where I am now. And there might be, yeah, just a, a willingness to, make sort of incremental, but very, you know, like Capricorn is the small steps up the mountain and it's very deliberate and very, you know, granular and sort of day by day, but there's, there's potential for like, you know, these 
all of these steps to become something quite monumental. Yes. That's and and well to me, like Mars is like, I'm I'm do what I gotta do. Like I'm I'm okay. I see what I have to do. I see where I'm headed. This is cardinal energy. It's it's a starting yeah. point, it's a pivot point. It's you know, we're beginning. Um, you know, people might begin new jobs here, get settled into new homes, do home homework, not actual home, maybe you don't do homework, but you know, work on the home, uh, work on your finances, give a fresh start there. Um, just all types of things. It's a very productive period. And like you said, it just, you know, Mars and Sag a little freewheeling. It's like, I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to do this. I'm, it's I'm looking definitely over here. like the clown, the clown emoji crossed with the cowboy emoji <laughs> or something. Now it's like the, the hammer and the, the sword emoji totally. and the rock emoji, <laughs> and the, the calendar asserting, emoji. Asserting our boundaries as well. Like that's my boundary. Yeah. Emoji, but um, yeah. Right? Very, well, I don't know. I feel like there, after Venus retrograde, there's probably been quite a dismantling of our relationships. And just through the pandemic generally, it's become really sort of crystal clear in that Saturnian way, kind of who are our ride or dies and who, you know, who's more of a fair weather friend or even a toxic friend. So that's sort of, I don't know, coming out of Venus retrograde with the knowledge of you know, I know we're still kind of dealing with Venus retrograde, but I think there will be more of a a willingness to establish certain boundaries or even cut ties or, you know, yeah, not easy work, but it's, it's necessary. (laughs) Yeah. It's so beneficial and yeah, so necessary. Well, it makes me think of, and this is, this is something that comes with age, but you know, time is finite. We only have so much energy. You know, like, and when another very Saturnian Capricorn word is priorities. And so what are your priorities? Because whatever Mm. your priority is and whatever you have, you know, how much energy you have, like Mars is like, okay, well, we're going to get something done, but it's only the things that we have priority. It's only the things that are going to put us on the path to what we're trying to achieve, the goals that we have, the success we want to make, like, and Mm. there's not room for the superfluous. This is where Mars is in Saturn's territory. And it comes back to the contraction, the constriction and the plan and the energy being strategic about the energy that you spend controlled power and almost sort of yes. a, I've been taking Taekwondo classes and I'm thinking about like the, yeah, sort of con- the idea of controlled power and mm. sort of th- there can almost be in, especially Mars and Capricorn, the power can be in holding a defensive stance or waiting for precisely the right moment to strike instead of just, you know, shooting at the hip as Mars and Sagittarius is one. Yeah. Be. Right. And then your, your bullet goes there, your bullet goes there, you know, you're not, might not hit your target, even though the, you know, Sagittarius is always trying yeah. to hit its target, yeah. but the precision one of those arrows in the ball. <laughs> will one will get there. Um, yeah. So I, I love that. And even when we think, we think about the tarot correspondences that go along with this, you know, Mars is going to move into that two of uh, pentacles zone, yeah. which has, which is actually Jupiter in mm-hmm. Capricorn. Um, 
as the deck in there. And so it is this kind of uh, moving forward through constraint, rearranging, juggling mm-hmm. things, moving, moving okay. things around. So we can get to that really um, motivated and concentrated effort uh, that comes in with three of pentacles once it gets to the, you know, Mars and Capricorn deck in there. So uh, it's almost like that centrifugal force. Like mm. if you balance the opposites, yeah. you might be dealing with two very different realities, but there is like a momentum that you can sort of slip into once you get them spinning. Or- right. But it's like, it makes me think of a, you know, like a body in motion stays in motion, but you just, but it has to be, and that's the thing is like, we're once again, cardinal earth energy. Yeah. We're going to be in Aquarius season. We see that overlying picture, but we have so much going on in Capricorn that gives us that earthly, it's going to be Saturn heavy. Don't get us wrong. (laughs) There's that Saturn is doing its job. We're doing Um, our master class in Saturn. Yes. Deep in it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, take notes. If you want to know anything about Saturn, you're in you're in the zone. Um, but yeah, it, it feels very productive in that sense with this shift because mm-hmm. um yeah, make make good use of it because what yeah. uh let's see, Mars is gonna be in Capricorn until March 6th is when it seems to move into Aquarius there. So um yeah, make good make good use of all it. the fixed, you know, <laughs> mayhem and yes. So yeah, and we have Mars retrograde. That's another story, but Mars retrograde in Gemini for half of the year, which oh, which I'm, I'm right. sure very excited about. <laughs> oh, I'm not excited about it at all. It's a Mars ruled chart. I know you're Gemini rising, so I'm sure yeah. you're going to find it very interesting as well. But um, yeah, that's a wearing helmets and knee pads for oh i know i know uh, <laughs> anyway yeah make the most of it make them make the most right because we're gonna be all over the place when for seven months basically just speaking as a native i know how <laughs> it's it's difficult to ran, wrangle that mars and gemini in. like it's yeah a lot of talking. Um, <laughs> so basically after Mars ingresses in the Capricorn on Monday, the 24th, we then, we have a last quarter moon in Scorpio, uh, on Tuesday, the 25th, the next day. So we're waning down in the cycle. We have kind of this turn of the page in Scorpio energy, which is, um, you know, we're, we've got a, we've got that kind of critical point in fixed signs. It's got that Saturnian element that comes back into it. Um, but there's other things going on that day too, because Mercury retrograde is going to move back in to Capricorn right after Mars moves into Capricorn. Mm-hmm. Mercury is going to trine the North node, just like the sun did right before Aquarius season began. Uh, and then it's going to conjunct Pluto for a second pass on the 28th. So basically the 25th, to the 28th. It has is very, it's last quarter Scorpio-y, which can always be a little intense. Um, but then we have the Plutonian aspect and, and Mercury retrograding back into uh Capricorn. So what I mean, what do you think about that? What do you think about Mercury going back in? Last quarter moon, anything that comes to mind? I mean there? Yeah, it feels it feels like there's some bit of intel or something that's been forgotten in the underworld um, mm. that needs to perhaps be retrieved or <laughs> revisited. Um, there's, yeah, kind of that, you know, with the last quarter moon energy as well. That kind of, um, you know, what 
what what what is the takeaway as well or what did i learn during that kazimi moment maybe in aquarius and why i think there's going to be something about that revelation with the kazimi that will be sort of the spur to get us back into capricorn territory and revisit that part of our our charts I mean, I'm hoping for myself that I'm not doing <laughs> corrections on my thesis, but you, you um, never know. You um, never know. You never know. Mm. But yeah, I, yeah, there's, I mean, there's, there's just something that a, maybe an open question, you know, needs to be addressed or what do you think? <laughs> well, and it's interesting when, now that I'm, I'm looking at it, because I, I feel, I mean, whenever we have the tension of the sun and the moon and it's in its square, there's always tension. There's always activation. There's always something we probably have to contend with in some way. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, we turn, we, we take finalizing actions in that last quarter, um, mm-hmm. square. Uh, but now that I'm looking at it, the way that it sent me to the wrong thing. Okay. What's interesting about it is not only do we get the square from the moon in Scorpio to the sun in Aquarius and activating that uh, kind of Kazemi energy that was just there a couple of days prior, but we get a trine to Jupiter at the same time, which is, yeah. um, you know, the sun is play- or the moon is playing uh, a transference of light basically mm-hmm. from the sun to Jupiter and then going to move on to square Saturn later in the day. So there, there's an, there's an interesting, like, I have to do this. I see, I see some sort of vision or trajectory moving forward, or I am confronted with something that has to expand, but before it expands, I have to think about everything that still needs work or needs to constrict or, and then all the emotional energy that comes behind that. Cause with Scorpio, it's just like, you know, it's a a moment of, yeah, like, um, emotional, just ugly. Yeah. The ugly crying (laughs) emoji (laughs) for continuing on the the emoji train. Um, I know. Well, it makes me think because we just talked about, well, and this is the great thing about rulership is, you know, we, yeah, the moon's in its fall there in Scorpio, but it has an exalted ruler behind it now. So at least we have that Mars and Capricorn, where even if you get through like the ugly cry, you're like, Oh, I gotta do this. I'm ready. But you get that passion behind it. You get the emotions out first and you're like, all right, I'm gonna handle this. There's do it. a willingness to maybe really dig into yes. sort of more difficult or even taboo subjects or sort of, you know, emotional stuff that normally we would rather sort of put in a box for later. But I think there's a willingness to really get our, our hands dirty and yes. get deep, deep in it. And that sort of, you know, exalted Mars, I think helps us to, yeah, not get overwhelmed like to just almost like chunkify it or kind Hmm. of be able to um you know approach approach it piece by piece instead of getting sort of engulfed Uh, mm, I love that because so what I'm hearing us say basically is that like Tuesday the 25th we got that last quarter moon. It's going to present us with something. It could make us a little emotional. We might be able to change those emotions and drive yeah. it into passion <laughs> and get yeah. deep with it because that's when Mercury is going to shift basically into Capricorn and then go on to conjunct Pluto there uh, on the 28th through that whole week. So there's something about this whole week basically where 
we might have to do some deep investigations, right? You know, think about Scorpio, like we have to dive deep into something. We got to get our, like you said, I love what you said, get your hands dirty. Like I get to the nitty gritty of it. Um, And your mind has that control and that focus and that willing to deal with something that might be unsavory. It might be something you don't necessarily want to do, but you have to do. And now you have the focus to do it. Um, And Mm -hmm. you got to push something through to the end because at the same time, we have the sun just inching ever closer to Saturn. Uh, You know, so there is this like culminating force that is continuing on to be like, I got to take care of things. I got things to do. Um, and so, and it could be something that's been sitting on the plate for a while, right? Because yeah. Mercury's retrograde. So it's yeah. like, oh, I've been avoiding this. Totally. Do this now, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, um, and what's interesting too, at the same time on the 28th on Friday, when we have the Mercury retrograde Pluto conjunction is that we also have the sun. And I don't know if you work with Chiron at all, but we have the sun yeah. sextile and Chiron in Aries there. So there is this kind of like, uh, just awareness of the things that might, um, trigger us in a sense. Cause you know, Mercury Pluto like emotional shrapnel. Shifting, yeah, absolutely. Like there's an opening as well, or something maybe gets dislodged. Like, you know, Chiron has that ability almost, you know, Mercury as psychopomp kind of does this as well, but this ability to kind of bridge parts of the psyche that have been fractured Mm. and sort of cut off from each other through trauma and sort of, yeah, like weaving or even (laughs) alchemizing these kind of wounded shards back into some sort of, you know, healed emotional hole. And that, Mm. that's kind of, I think the gift of, of Chiron, but yeah, it could be, it could be, there could be a lot of breakthroughs and healing as well, or, you know, yeah, something, something being dislodged, which recalibrates the whole system maybe. And, and it's very interesting to think about too, because it's not exact in this particular uh, on this particular day on the 28th, but at this point we do have Mars as we keep talking about Mars now in Capricorn, uh, which is going to it, which is the ruler now of Chiron and Aries. And so yeah. they're slowly going to perform a square. We're not there yet, but it's almost it's interesting because the sun always brings us some sort of breakthrough, right? It gives us consciousness. Sure. It allow it and yeah. it's and a sextile opens the door. We got to work for it. We see it. We might know what we need to address. We might could be great body work that's done at this mm-hmm. these times too, because you know we have so mm-hmm. much going on in Capricorn, and we talk about those blockages and like yeah. um, pains and and the stretching them and uh, getting getting things out that like maybe surgeries that have that need to happen that are like in the yeah. way of like you know what I mean. Like there seems to be some sort of addressing a slow address. Of of, uh, some pain or triggers or learning opportunities that mm-hmm. um, Mercury Pluto is bringing up, but it, it, there's just like the Sun in Aquarius sees like the expand like the bigger picture. It's like yeah. I, I have to do this. I got to do this hard work. I got to do this thing that could be painful or require very physical, um, you know, things of me like. Mar- like, like if you had to get surgery, I'm not saying, I don't know who does or if you did, <laughs> yeah. but you know, when you get surgery, a lot of times there's all these things that have to go after it. There's the care, the routine, the, you know, like uh, just know, being out. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, it seems like a very potent healing time 
that I love how you said kind of bringing the fragmented parts together and like removing blockages, but the things you have to do to get through that are not always pretty per se. And I also think as well, like with, you know, Mercury, Pluto, and sort of more invisible realms, like Pluto kind of ruling over invisible under underworld realms, but maybe there's like an energy work or Reiki or the mysteries of osteopathy with, you know, Capricorn, the bones, like this kind of these healing modalities that you don't know how they work or what's happening, but somehow they do shift something. Like I've had powerful experiences with, with Reiki and where I, I do like, I can feel the energy being adjusted. I'm right there with you. Like and it's, yeah. It'd be a powerful, you know, time to lean into that kind of work. And especially like with the sextile, you know, that, that being Venus's aspect, that sort of, you know, having somebody guiding you through this process or, you know, a some sort of mediation, I suppose. Well, and it could also be a very communal aspect too. Like if you're in a, like a group well, setting or, or something, or like a healing within a community too, mm-hmm. um, of some sort, just because we are in Aquarius season, um, like maybe you're in a healing circle, yeah. uh, and it brings up where everybody can bring up their individual, um, you you know, you're tapping into your individual wound, but the connection of the collective and the, uh, the outlook or consciousness of your peers or what help you uh, integrate um, what needs to shift or it or just gives you that aha moment or et cetera. So I, this is a digression, but I used to do family constellation therapy and it's done mm. in a group and you have other group members act out a, a scene that is kind of representative of a trauma or something that you're working through, but there's such power and sort of being able to see patterns in your life outside of yourself play out or sort of hand it over to other figures. Um, Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Well, you know, there's many variations there, but um, yeah, just definitely seems like there's a lot of, a lot of power um, that is at our fingertips. Um, And we, you know, you think about Pluto, like what, what's the one word that everyone brings up? They're like transformation, you know, to, <laughs> we're going to transform. Um, we don't want a good day, maybe. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. yes. But um, I mean, it's really cliche to say, but when you like change your mind, you can change your life. And so there is something to be said about Mercury going to station on Pluto in these moments. And if, if you're just in a, a, a mental you know, recalibration. It's like Mm -hmm. there, that this is potent. You can come out on the other side and you're like, oh, wow, I've been like, I've been like a Nana, you know, you've been scraped clean in your, in your brain. You've been like, think about, uh, she always talks about that. Yeah. Yeah. Your brain is naked. Your brain is naked. It's vulnerable. It's, it's ready to be reintroduced to, um, (laughs) to where everything's going. Like, you know, strip the layers, of your, your, your perception. Um, well, it's funny. I'm actually doing like dry January and it does, you know, feel like that yeah. stripping and sort of the naked brain, you know? Yeah. Um, but also like with Mercury Pluto too, I think there can sometimes be 
a moment where through conversation or whatever it is, like somebody will show you who they are. And mm. that, you know, that quote, if somebody shoot, shows you who they are, believe them. And I think Pluto does reward us when we sort of confront the more unsavory aspects of our relationships or a toxic situation. And it's sort of a, okay, I am seeing this clearly. Um, I'm going to just walk away from it and not have the, you know, perpetuate the cycle by having the last word or, you know, you know sometimes the hardest thing can just be to walk away. You, you know, what brought to mind immediately when you said that to me um, was thinking about the idea of actions speak louder than words, yeah. because when we have Mercury and Pluto together, like there can be manipulation with speech. There can be like, Oh, oh I'm, I'm going goals. to like, yeah, I'm going to like formulate this and paint this picture for you. Um, but what, what is the, the action behind it? Like what is, the you know, motivation. the hidden motivation, what do you see like that? And, and realize that there can be some trickery when it comes, especially Mercury still retrograde with like yeah. just the Plutonian dynamic, but that Mars is very strong. Like, how are people acting? How are you acting? You know, mm-hmm. we think about the square that's brewing to Chiron there. And we just talked all about the Chiron energy that's coming through there. Um, and I like how you brought up earlier about uh Venus and, uh, you know, Venus going direct and Venus and Mars meeting and creating boundaries within relationships and who you want to have as alliances and where you might need to separate, um, from certain connections. And really what happens after January 28th is the following day is when Venus is going to station direct on Saturday. Um, in that loose trying to not loose, but it's not exact of trying to Uranus, but yeah. Yeah. So they, all that's really coinciding very well together at the end of that week, isn't it? The, this whole picture that we're painting. Yeah. And um, so basically Venus is going to station direct on Saturday. And then the following day, we have uh, the sun making the square to Uranus. So we have a lot of energy in the air, basically. Uh that all does kind of like a pivot change of all that we just talked about with Mercury, Pluto, of the Chiron energy, Venus stationing. And she's like, all right, I'm emerging. I've been doing this for quite some time. Here we go. My God, (laughs) I'm ready. And so once again, we have kind of this like um, transference energy where Mm. we have these Uranian connections happening. Um, but I mean, Venus and the sun can't see each other, but they, they traded their batons off in the relay race, you know, a handful of weeks ago on January 8th. So, uh, there is a Uranian component going on right Maybe now. Maybe the, the way out of the underworld is not the same way that you went in or there's That's some... usually the case. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, what do you think about, um, I'm, I mean, we've already kind of touched on like the idea of Venus emerging in many ways and she'll play yeah. a point as we go forward, but having the sun, uh, square Uranus for that weekend on Saturday and Sunday, basically 29th, 30th of January, uh, we're leading, we're in the dark days of a lunar cycle. Cause we're about to have a new moon in Aquarius mm-hmm. on Monday, the 31st. And so we're in this reflective contemplative quieting, closing down type of energy and And we basically have the sun squaring Uranus, which is our introductory 
ultimately to the sun triggering the Saturn Uranus square. So any ideas of like Uranus coming into the the fray, the the quiet of the the dark moon um, and what that could kind of elicit? I mean, I feel like the veil is always quite thin during the dark of the moon and um, sort of similar to like Kazemi moments. I feel like there is a sort of a potential if we quiet ourselves and open ourselves and set aside some time during the dark of the moon to journal or play with our cards or runes or hexagrams or whatever it is there, you know, the veil is thin and there's Intel that um, can be had. And yeah, it feels like on the threshold, like with Uranus, you know, sun Uranus, there's, a quantum leap out of the underworld that can be taken. This is not maybe just a sort of crawling out on our hands and knees. <laughs> I, I feel like if we open ourselves to the possibilities, there there could be quite a radical sort of um, rewriting of Venusian patterns or a sudden breakthrough. Like we've been in this area of Capricorn sort of you know, Venus has been up and down and all around. And um, yeah, there's, I think, perhaps the potential to really take a brave leap forward, mm. but it requires surrender. And I think that sort of dark of the moon time will help us tune in with our intuition and sort of quiet the the shoulds and the sort of external static and societal pressure and really just figure out what it is that we, like what sort of bold individual breaking of ties or emancipation in that very vulnerable, kind of powerful, you know, Inanna and naked and trembling. But um, yeah, Yeah. I'm excited about this moment. I am too, because I mean, when we think about Taurus, we think about, we think about stillness. We think about peace. We think about, I mean, that's why it's hard to get a Taurus to move sometimes. It's like, I'm uncomfortable here. Um, but having Uranus there, I feel like, and then in the dark days of the moon is the best time for reflection and that quietness and the the veil that you speak of. And so if we are able to get into the stillness of space, there could be just, very tangible breakthroughs that can happen, right? Because we, you know, yeah. part of the Saturn Uranus square is that we're all architecting the the blueprint of our lives and like the, yeah. how we interact with routine and day to day and where we nest and like all these all the we jobs we do. Innovation from constriction, like how we alchemize, you know, blockages into, yeah, yeah, which is huge. Well, and I love that because Aquarius is aligned with innovation, right? Uranus is aligned with innovation. We have our consciousness testing us in a square aspect, which is also an activating aspect of innovation. And so this is the moment in your life and the weekend, you know, that you might want to ask yourself, like, how am I evolving? How am I becoming, how am I innovating my life? What do I know that I need to change or integrate or um, mm. align with or get in the right, um, you know, birds of a feather? Like if we're talking about Venus stationing direct too, am I am I aligned with the right group um, yeah, totally. that is that is helping my ability to evolve as a person, but also to contribute uh, who my individuality is into society? You know, these 
and these are big questions, you know, like not to make it all, all heavy on you, but you know, we're yeah. going into an Aquarius new moon. That's the conjunct Saturn, uh, that's lighting up Saturn Uranus square. And, um, yeah, having that, having that Uranian like break apart, it brings me to what you were saying early too, about like dislodging, um, mm. and, and, and fra- like fragmented pieces, like, you know, dislodging a, a solid, but also the fragments starting to find how and where they fit back in. And they're like, you said, right. Yeah. And to become whole again, but in a different form Saturn of how it started. So yeah. It's kind of like we've maybe been, you know, moth goo for the past, (laughs) you know, Venus, um, in that sort of, transition um as well between morning and evening star and that that holding pattern you know there's a lot that's been happening that maybe we haven't had vocabulary for and I think Mercury going back into Capricorn as well will begin to allow us to put words to this sort of very protean very mysterious kind of shifting and recalibration um, of our values, our value systems, our relationships, our connection to pleasure, all of these things. But I think as Venus emerges from that sort of cocoon, like the, the chrysalis, um, I know this is a metaphor that's maybe a bit cheesy or overused, but, um, it is what it is. (laughs) It is what it is. There's like, it's a, it's a moment of vulnerability and sort of the wings you know, you haven't used these new wings yet. They're a bit sticky, but you can sense the lift that's to come. And maybe the only thing to, yeah, like with the sun Uranus, there's perhaps an ego block or some something like the, the way that we get, get in our own ways or our egos mm-hmm. kind of, you know, um, Oftentimes we can be our own worst enemies, right? This is fixed energy we're talking about. (laughs) For us, very stubborn, like maybe considering the ways in the past or these sort of stuck patterns of self-sabotage or whatever it is. I think there's a a real possibility of breaking through um, that more self-inflicted kind of restriction or... It, well, it just brings me to the, like another very cliche thing that we always hear is the, you know, break down to break through, you know, and this, this whole week has like a ever since the Scorpio last quarter up until this new moon that we're going to talk about here, you know, there is a lot of that potential to break down, to break through. So, um, sure. keep that in mind if you're in the moment and you're like, Oh, you know, there's, there is that, uh, there is that, that twist, that plot twist that can come. Yeah. Um, but let us talk about this, uh, this new moon here where, oh, I've been doing, I'm like, why is my <laughs> chart look funny? Cause I've had it on Washington DC this whole time instead of where uh-huh. I'm in, in San Diego, which I'm like, okay. I'm like February 1st, because the, the new moon, um, is, uh, at 12:46 a.m. on the East coast. And it's on right. the day prior. It's on the 31st, very late at night um, there uh, in the Pacific. So, right. I guess I'm the Mercury retrograde. I'm in Washington now. It's, yeah. We're in DC. We're in DC. <laughs> it's cool. Uh, which see the new moon has Uranus right in the descendant of DC. So that's interesting. Ooh. Um, for all you mundane astrologers out there. Yeah. Uh, 
But okay, so we have this new moon that we've been alluding to taking place and this reseeding. And of course, this new moon signature is really all about, uh, you know, sun, moon, Saturn, mm-hmm. just hanging out in a big old party there. Um, and it, it really is a Saturnian lunation all through and through because it's like we have this party in Capricorn that are all looking to this Saturn. Yeah. And even this Uranus has to go through Venus to get to Saturn. And so really the only, only, you know, free agents here (laughs) is is Jupiter and then Neptune under Jupiter, but everything else is incredibly Saturnian here. Um, And we've talked about Mercury retrograde conjunct Pluto, Venus just stationed direct. We got Mars exalted and activated in many ways and, and tapping into Jupiter in a sextile. Um, But uh, any any key words of like a new moon in Aquarius that uh, I mean that we haven't really touched on? We've been alluding to a lot of you know things, but <laughs> yeah, it's you know this this new moon is happening in the second decan of Aquarius, which yeah. you know three of Pentacles um, energy is again very very um, good for planning. And- oh, the three of Swords. Oh, sorry. No, I, I was thinking of Capricorn. Yeah. Well, but we do have three of pentacles energy going on here too with, uh, with Capricorn. So it's, yeah. yes, yeah. we've got, we have the six of swords. We have the six of swords and the three yeah. of pentacles happening here, but, um, scramble doing, the, I know Mercury is dancing over our brains right oh. now and like doing like, uh, like a river dance and, <laughs> <laughs> oh, um. But yeah, the the six of swords as sort of the card being activated by the new moon. I feel like there there is this, you know, the six of swords has that transitional quality to mm-hmm. it and sort of being allowing yourself to be ferried, you know, from sort of choppy waters to sort of the the glassy bay of, of your healing as, you know. Um, cheesy as that might sound, but I, I think there's, I think going into this new moon, being willing to, because there, there's so much Saturn and that sort of, okay, there's still movement is maybe not forthcoming, but if we can just sort of settle into like in the card, there's a woman with, with her child and their backs are, are to us. And they seem like they've been through something pretty arduous or some sort of trauma, but they're just kind of quietly sitting, you know, in the boat, you know, the, the new, the new moon time has that quiet as well. And that's still to it, even if there is like a, you know, a desire to start planting seeds. But I think maybe the more, the most important seed that we can plant is just to surrender to the currents and trust that we are being taken exactly where we need to go with Jupiter and Neptune as well, kind of doing their own thing, like trusting there is some sort of benevolent current that Mm. will be taking us to calmer waters, even though things still feel very difficult and heavy and Saturnian. Yeah, I think that's a really good point because I mean, when I think of the six of swords, essentially there is this just point of to to be in balance, Mm -hmm. you have to move on. 
And it's like, and, and sometimes moving on can be like, you're excited to move on. You're ferrying over into this new space. Other times you're like, I'm not crazy about what happened, but I know that I can't stay there anymore. Um, and I have to make the passage through. And this is the Saturnian new moon, of course, with Saturn there. But like you said about going with, with the flow of knowing that there's beneficence, like in yeah. the picture to come, you know, when we have that Pisces new moon a month later, that is a yeah. Jupiterian new moon. So there's a lot of like, you know, you got to do that Saturn piece. You got to, you yeah. might have to do the hard stuff. You have to like constrict and cut off or separate or create space or prioritize or, you know, all these Saturn words. Deferred gratification is yes, you know, delayed. Still. I love that. Delay. I don't love that, but you know, I love the idea. It feels but, apropos. Yes, it does. It does. But it's, you know, it, here's the thing is like half the time delayed gratification is in service to the ultimate goal, the ultimate plan, the vision, the thing that we see, the transition, the passage we're making across. It's like, we are making that passage because we have, there's a new plan that is, that is coming into form. Um, and we just have to start moving on, moving on to that. And, uh, I remember as a child, I like I've got an angular Saturn retrograde, you know, in the seventh house. But I, I used to put ice in my snow boots and walk a whole <laughs> half hour walk home with ice in my wow. Boot because when I put my, you know, took the boots off and had cheese and crackers and watched Blind Date by the fire, the it was so much more enjoyable <laughs> to have my feet thought. Yeah. It was like the comfort, like the extreme comfort. It's almost like I extreme, like, just so that I can really feel the, uh, that's funny. That's funny. I don't know what that says about me. Well, I know, I know that you said you have Saturn and Sagittarius, right. And Jupiter's sign. I feel like having like, when you have the, a planet, like in its antithesis like that, there's like, there's these extremes that happen, right? You know, to some extent. Um, so that that's an interesting little fun fact, little cold feet, little cold feet. That's, <laughs> oh, I feel like a Saturn we will, Pisces we will would do that too. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so, you know, this is, this is a, a, a potent new moon. It's a Saturnian new moon. We're, we're on the plan. Mercury's already got, you know, it already been Plutoed. It's about to go direct. <laughs> Venus is direct. Uh, and so it I love feels, the idea. It still feels very constructive. It, like it, it does. It not does. the most fun, but it feels productive. And, you know, I think if we can lean into that space of planning for the future and just kind of drawing pleasure from, you know, knowing that we're creating the structures for our future sort of Gemini or not Gemini, um, Pisces, you know, windfalls and joy and, um, but we, we have to do this work first, you know? Yeah. It gives us, it gives us that fuel, um, there. And so, now, just to play off everything you just said, like our next kind of moves here on February 3rd um, and, and February 4th is Mercury stationing direct on the 3rd. And then on the 4th, we have Sun conjunct Saturn, which we're going to feel on the 3rd too. But it's <laughs> it's interesting to think about Mercury, you know, emerging and going direct and in in, on Pluto. This is, it feels like a very decisive moment to me. Like, it's just yeah. like, 
we know where our priorities lie. We know what the plan looks like, whether we have chosen it for ourselves or the universe or the community has been like, this is where we're going. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's very definitive. <laughs> Hyperrealism for sure. Mm. Conviction and yeah, sometimes knowing exactly what you don't want can be a powerful kind of launching place. Yeah. And it's interesting that during that day, like Mercury stations, we've got that like sleepy Pisces moon action near Neptune. But the following day when the sun conjuncts Saturn, um, on the, the fourth, uh, we've got that Aries moon. And so we're kind of off to the road. Like we know what we need yeah. to do. We've got the energy behind us. The moon is square Mars. So, you know, that, that Friday, yeah, that Friday you were thinking, you know, go home early. Like, well, I don't know. None of us work anymore. <laughs> not, and that's not true, but, um, there is an, there's definitely an off to the races. There is like irritation yeah. for, to begin and motivation. It's like, okay, let's do this. I'm like, let's, let's get it done. Um, and that Aries moon on, on Friday and then on Saturday too, seems very productive, a little irritating. Uh, there might but, be like some sort of with Chiron as well, there, like activation yeah. or like you say, irritation being the spur for, you know, really concrete action sort of, <laughs> yeah, it can be irritation can be fuel, right? It absolutely. I or, swear when you are, uh, when you're mad at something, or you're, you know, like, oh, this got to change. Or when you're really passionate and it's yeah. just like your, your blood is boiling, the fire is raised, you know, you move, you move forward. Um, and, to, and this is the whole thing going on here too, to go along with our Mars stage or our Mercury stationing direct and the sun conjunct Saturn is at that same time from February 4th to uh, February 8th, like through that weekend and early part of the next week, we have Mars making its move. So basically Mars uh, in Capricorn is going to make its sextile to Jupiter that we've been alluding to on that Friday as well. Uh, and then the square to Chiron there too, uh, and then a trine to Uranus. So Mars is, Mars be ready. <laughs> Making some money moves. Yeah. And I think especially if we can sort of work outside of our comfort zone and sort of work through imposter syndrome, or, you know, there's that edge where, the fear is there, but it's just enough that it sort of can be used as fuel instead of paralyzing us, kind of finding that that edge of discomfort that will kind of lead to innovation or breakthroughs. Yeah, I love that because, it, you know, we're really leading up. Yeah. Yeah, we're, re we're really leading up to our first quarter, which is going to be in Taurus. So there's all this energy for the weekend on, you know, the fifth, the sixth, the early part of that next week where we're ready to take care of business. We're, we're doing, you know, we've got the fire behind that us bull by the horns, we're yeah. grabbing the bull by the horns, you know, <laughs> we're ready. We're ready to work in, in many respects because, you know, when you're pushing off into a first quarter and taking action and, and friction and just getting the ball rolling. Uh, we're getting the ball rolling in very tangible spaces of Taurus with Uranus there. And so if you need to change things about your life, you're starting a new job, you need to quit a job, you know, you need like, I don't know why I'm so job focused, but you know, like there, <laughs> you, you, you want to, uh, 
reconstruct your meal planning and you're starting off, you know, there's all these different things that, or kickstart uh, a pleasure routine. Like, oh, I really like that. Curious about, you know, your pampering. She, and- it is Venus. She is. Yeah. And she is direct now. She's like, she's like, I have been starved for my needs. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know, but it's, I feel like Venus and Capricorn would be very like regimented towards its beautifying needs or like self comfort or, you know, like like, Marie Kondo, like this sparks joy and this does not. And being very, very clear about that. Um, yeah. So a lot of productivity happening, uh, in around that time. So definitely take advantage of it. And if you get irritated, you know, how are you going to direct that fuel? Like exactly. just get it, like put it where it's not combusting your, <laughs> you know, your overall goal, like redirect it. Um, then I think you know how there's that person that sometimes activates you because they're every, everything that you want to be like, that can be a really yeah. productive thing right now to kind of, you know, work with that, um, competitive, you know, friction, the competitive edge. Yeah. Um, and so this brings us to basically the, the next move of, uh, Mercury on the 11th, which is when, so basically Mercury is going to do some moves here. It's going to conjunct Pluto. And so all this talk that we've been talking about, you know, Mercury has been on Pluto during this whole time. So think about that, like really think about that and like how just pivotal this time is for there's something in your life that you've been tunneling into like total rabbit hole, like rabbit holes. Yeah. Rabbit holes. It's yeah. Yeah. And so obviously it's going to be very Capricorn in nature, you know, whatever Capricorn lies in your chart, but also look at the houses of Gemini and Virgo, because those are subsidiaries of mercurial energy. And so you're probably going to notice a pattern going on between all those, but you know, Mercury is going to conjunct Pluto on, uh, Friday, the 11th. Um, and it, then it's going to, it's basically going to trine the North node again. So we mm-hmm. get that once again, and Pluto is trining the mm-hmm. North node at that time too. So there is something very pivotal with mercurial energy, with Plutonian energy and the North node all from, uh, February 11th. Feels very whistleblower or like speaking to yes. power or, <laughs> yes. you know, like it, to follow the path of destiny, you need to, I don't know, risk an inconvenient truth or well, do something, a shadow of fear that's, you know, kind of lingering. And it's very appropriate that you say that because the whole time that that's happening is that the sun while Pluto's trining and Mercury's trining, the sun is square, the nodes. Yeah. So once again, that revealing, that coming out, that shining the light on something that is very destiny within the ma- making. Like the, these are these are serious news days. Um, yeah. Basically Friday the 11th through Tuesday the 15th, that whole weekend, like this is, secrets be coming out. Uh, you, yeah. you learn things <laughs> about yourself that you never knew. You're like, oh, okay, well now I'm like, got a whole nother way of looking at this. And, um, in my mind has changed or you get a a pivotal email or phone call or text, Um, or you read something that is just like, it brings you to a whole new level of like consciousness. Like these these are not, this is, I am not seeing configurations like this before. So it is potent. 
Yeah, definitely. Something subconscious sort of birthed into conscious realization that just changes everything that can change your life direction or sort of make you realize what what you need to let go of perhaps like Pluto can be very, there's that sort of being attached and clinging to something. So there, there might be an ability to just sort of um, let go of something as well to Mm -hmm. move towards that place of, of abundance and kind of soul growth. And insert Venus conjunct Mars (laughs) the following day on February 16th, which is going to be, this is a long time in the making. So everything we were just talking about there and the words you were just speaking, you know, we get sexual tension has been palpable. (laughs) Oh, that is, it's like, it's, it's, you can cut, cut it. It's like as thick the, I'm like, I have so many words. They're not coming together. (laughs) It is thick. You could cut the air with a knife. Is that what they say? (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah. And so here we have, and it's so interesting. I was thinking about Venus and, um, uh, Mars the other day with, I mean, we call them the relationship planets, but the reason they're the relationship planets is because they bring us two things that we need in relationship. One Venus being the connective component where we're coming together and we're, we're merging with something and two Mars, the separation component, because we're all individual entities and we have to have separation from what we make union with. And so in order to be in right relationship, we have to be able to be in union, but also be in uh, solidarity. So it's like, it's an interesting component, um, that comes together. And if there has been like just imbalance on either side, I feel Mm -hmm. like this, and it's going to be a long story because Venus and Mars are going to hold hands for many weeks with another conjunction. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of handing off conjunctions and there's a very kind of, yeah you know being in a cat and mouse kind of chasing quality which is quite romantic as well I do I like it (laughs) or even just not necessarily relation relational but being romanced by a new wisdom pursuit or the mystery of life itself I I think if we're willing to sort of surrender to that yeah very fluid kind of give and take it can be quite um yeah, creatively generative. Yeah, I'm. I'm very excited about this. It also happens on my on my moon, so I'm. Uh, I'm, in, <laughs> I'm intrigued about that. Yeah. Um, and I will talk more about that. I believe I'll, I'll have have Gary Caton on. Um, we're going to talk about Venus and Mars in an episode before that happens too. So stay tuned for more about Venus, Mars, and its cycle and things along <laughs> those lines. But you know, February 16th. This is a big day. It's a long time coming. Um, yep. And, and everything that Stephanie and I've been talking about, about the lead up to that, like you can see that there's, there's big moves as individuals, as in relationships, as a community, like we're touching all angles <laughs> at once here. Um, yeah. And while that's happening, it's, it really brings us to our next big uh, lunar event, which is the full moon at 28 degrees of uh, Leo. And that's always a big moon, right? You know, the moon in Leo, it's like, da-da, very performative. Very, very out on, for sure. Yeah. Here's um, my soliloquy. Yeah. <laughs> and so there's a couple things. I'm going to just state a couple facts here real quick, and then I'm going to give the floor to you, Stephanie, to give some thoughts. But, you know, we have a full moon in 
Leo, with its ruler being the sun in Aquarius, which is the position, you know, of it of its detriment. So there's always that interesting uh, factoid there. But uh, the main thing is the fact that this is an exact, pretty much an exact square to the ooh, look at that weird line to the lunar <laughs> to the lunar node. So this is a full moon that really catches us in a web of destiny once again with mm-hmm. the the um, the uh, nodal component. But also we have Jupiter over here in Pisces sextiling Uranus, which is adding its own little thing going on there. And of course, uh, Venus and Mars together. So Stephanie, what do you think about this, this full moon in Leo? It's pretty juicy. It feels very Shakespearean, like Hmm. sort of, um, like everybody is in elevated high costume and every player on the stage must, you know, again, have their, their part or sing their aria or have their soliloquy. Um, yeah, it feels, it feels very like there's a, a sudden, like the spotlight is on something, a, a sort of creed core of the soul that must be sort of listened to and given, given the stage. Um, and again, it has that sort of point of no return quality. Um, maybe there's, again, with you know, the North Node, that sort of voracious appetite happening in a, a Venus-ruled sign. I feel like there could be a, an explosion of, of like a desire for more connection and pleasure and sort of community cohesiveness as well, you know, with the Jupiter, mm. um, you know, is it Jupiter? Yeah, Jupiter and Uranus, yeah. Um, so I, I feel like there could be a lot of creativity that's kind of bubbling up, innovative sort of Ooh. action bubbling up in groups as well and um, kind of getting swept away by some sort of almost romantically idealistic movement or there's just so much going on. It's, it's, it, it is. It's like pick a planet. Let's say, um, I love what you're saying there though, because to me, it does feel very creative in the sense. I mean, one of the things that we've been talking about with Jupiter and Pisces is like this creative artistic renaissance that can, is underway. And so if I think about something being unleashed and brought to the public, you know, having innovative art, uh, come to the forefront with Jupiter sextile Uranus during like something perf- better than NFTs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> hopefully more inspiring. <laughs> well, and, and it being very performative in a sense. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about Leo full moon. Like this is when the, the singer reaches, you know, new heights and like, exactly. and you see something that is just like, it, it, it like, um, just kind of explodes your consciousness in a way. Right. Because like you see this drops and there's a whole new kind of, it, yes. You know, and and how that, and 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 part of that, like creative unveiling, how that affects uh, society from it, you know, because when you put something that is incredibly creative out there, you know, you, uh, an artwork or a piece of music comes out that affects the whole public in a way where everyone's talking about it or connecting with it, or like, you know, that is, that is an Aquarian moment there. And the fact that Venus and Mars are conjunct and they're both the rulers of the North node and the South node. So we have the nodal rulers holding hands in the sky at the same time, um, which is interesting of having 
you know, where we're going and where we come from kind of on the same page and fused. And it's like, Mm -hmm. so it's it's an interesting moment in time where, I don't know, I feel like that when you're talking about the creative spark, like that's like, yes, I feel like some things are going to be released that we're going to be talking about for years to come. Basically, it would be interesting to see what films are coming out around Mm -hmm. that time, or, you know, maybe there's some sort of fad that takes over on the internet that's really creative um yeah yeah, it's and you know like the the etymology of renaissance is reawakening so i think there there will be something creatively kind of majestic that um breaks us out of this kind of saturnian slumber that that we've been in but it's very group oriented and sort of collaborative. And again, I think maybe something, you know, virtual that sweeps the collective. Mm. Well, and it makes me think too, it's like, well, what have we been working so hard on? What, what has Saturn been like cracking the rib about for so long? It's like Jupiter (laughs) comes out. (laughs) Yeah. Jupiter comes out with Uranus and is like, this is what it's all for. You see this contribution, you see what's coming forth, you know, like all this behind the scenes, all this, you know, sweat and toil and like everything that has, has had to been gone through is like Jupiter's like, well, this full new thing that is being brought to the surface. Um, and and I think, and I love the idea of it, like being connected to with some sort of like creative, like, uh, you know, social moment that brings a community together to, yeah. to engage within their, within their own artistry, right? Because it's a full moon in Leo. So it's a very uh, individualized component because we think of Leo, it's like, well, Leo is all about you, you know, or me, yeah. it's all about me. <laughs> or it's very, it's Aries-ish, but it's also, you know, has that creative energy, that solar, like, how does it all wrap around me? And then how do I shine this light in the community sphere within that? And so Maybe people could be getting creative with activism and sort of, I remember when I lived in Spain, there were, you know, the, the sort of protests that would spill out on the streets were often filled with pageantry and, and color mm-hmm. and creative signs and costumes. And it kind of felt like a a big party as well as a, a protest. And yeah, it'll, no, I, I like that a lot. And, and like, even if it was just on, even if you were thinking about like online line space and people creating something in the name of a social movement, or like, like you're saying, like ha- being behind um, a, a message of sorts, cause we do have Mercury sitting there at one degrees of Aquarius, which we talked about this earlier. This is a very sensitive point in the Zodiac yeah. that is being hit re- re- repeatedly. And it's getting to the point where it met the sun in the inferior conjunction back on, uh, when we first started out this podcast, uh, for January yeah. 23rd. So we're coming back to that time too. And so there's also that, you know, we talk about astrology is all cycles, cycles upon cycles yeah. upon cycles. Um, so we're seeing all these kind of cycles collide at one time. And I think it's going to be a magnanimous full moon, which Leo would have no other way. Right. My son and Leo is, Oh, you did sun. Yeah. It's, that's right. Your son in Leo. I said earlier, you're a cancer. You're not a cancer. You're the son in Leo, but you have a lot of cancer planets. <laughs> I do have a yes. big stellium in cancer, but um, yes, she's got the cancer. She's got plenty of cancer. But Le- I love cancer Leo mixes. I'm one too. I think I feel um, you. Yeah, I'm rather partial to that combination. But I'm also thinking of thinking back to the Great Conjunction um, when that was, you know, 
that captured the zeitgeist so much. And it was one of the first, you know, it really became viral in a way. People, you know, uh, apart from Mercury retrograde, which seems to break into the mainstream, I was quite struck by how the collective imagination was being captured by the Great Conjunction. And there was that whole thing of like, monoliths do you remember that like these I do (laughs) which was very like Uranian I think it was there was some art group behind it probably but I wonder if there will be another sort of strange performance art authorless kind of thing that captures the collective imagination again oh well, I could definitely see that taking place with Jupiter and Pisces Taurus. yeah maybe they'll come back we'll, have, we'll see him once again but yeah there is that kind of surreal surreal quality that can come in with Pisces energy and Jupiter um but also in a very natural settings when we think about Taurus and Uranus and like yeah that's I love that um <laughs> so it's going to be a big full moon. And really it's, it kind of takes us to the end of Aquarius season. Uh, we have Jupiter making that exact sextile to Uranus. So the following day on the 17th there, but we are really feeling we're, we started out very Saturnian, but by the end of Aquarius, we're going to definitely be feeling the uprising, um, and those kind of like internal shakings of Jupiter, mm-hmm. Uh, and that kind of opening the door to what's what's next? Where are we moving towards? What growth are we making? How are we evolving? What are we creating? You know, it's yeah. Uh, yeah. it's potent, and then it leads us into Pisces season. It's just like just perfect timing. I like the segue. I like having a surreal euphoria. I've been watching Euphoria, but I'm just thinking of yeah, having some sort of. Um, surreal interlude to take us into Pisces season. And yeah, I think, I think a big party at the end of Aquarius season is, is, is ripe, ripe for the making. So, you know, get your guest list out. (laughs) <laughs> long time coming up, right? Oh my goodness. So I guess before we end up, uh, end our Aquarius season segment here, uh, you know, if you had, this is a hard question for a Gemini rising, but if you had one word to recap, or maybe a group of words, but one word to recap, uh, Aquarius season, what, what, what term would you use? Oh my gosh. This is, yeah, the hardest possible question. <laughs> um, I, maybe recalibration or alchemy is one I said before. Mm. Um, yeah. Mediation. Um, if I can do a compound now, <laughs> again, the, the deferred gratification. But. Yeah, I think that, oh, I, that's, yes. I mean, all those, all those are great, but I think the deferred, deferred gratification definitely, yeah. uh, and finding a sort of maybe I'm just a psycho, but I, I do find a bit I do find pleasure in deferred gratification, you know? Like there is I do too pleasure that you can find in that place. Um and I, I think I think this I think Aquarius season has a real again, like it's it feels very transitional. Um and again with the six of swords, which is so activated, sort of like in the Thoth, I think that card is called science. And I think that yeah. maybe we'll, we will be mediating between this more rational sort of scientific method and then the Jupiter and Pisces, which is 
much more open to just being bewildered by the mysteries of the cosmos and sort of being more attuned to things that you can't put words to or subtle energies that you just have to, there's like an experiential reality that, um, yeah, like finding a balance between that hyper-rational sort of planning, conceptualizing energy, but also surrendering to just the divine madness. Yes, the divine madness, the great unknown, the great mystery, the fact that we will never know it all. And we have to surrender to that and find joy in the fact that um, if we did, life would be boring. So, (laughs) you know. Gemini Rising hates boring. I know it does. So it's Mars and Gemini. So I feel you on that. But um, yeah, I like the the idea of deferred gratification there. Um, And just, uh, you know, take your bitter medicine and know that it's doing you a lot of good. I guess the only thing I would say is, uh, you know, if I had one word, maybe four word. I guess I said forward, like forward, that. forward. I mean, that's uh, the, that's the only, it might take us a second Onward. to get there, yeah. but forward, just go forward, whatever, whatever one, that one takes. hoof in front of the other. Yeah. Like, just keep it, keep it rolling. Keep it rolling. <laughs> those, those goats can scale sheer walls. I mean, mm-hmm. I think we can really, you know, whatever's been blocking us gravity yeah. need not apply physics need not apply we can scale some pretty big challenges this, this year, <laughs> you made me just think of like an x an xy chart like graph and how yes. you know yeah you know, like like forward like you know we think about forward we think about driving forward and we're just like straight but like you said like the goat that scales like forward doesn't necessarily have to be along the x line only oh, you know no. where are you putting that y you know like Exactly. Being very up. careful about where you put that Y. Well. Very, very careful. Yes. Um, and don't try to get too Y because I'm just saying, you know, Saturn will like to be like, oh, you're that ambitious. Okay. Well, I don't know. Like Humbling that's the idealism. Natural law is probably a good way forward. <laughs> yes. Well. Oh my God. Well, I think we did an excellent uh, treatment on Aquarius season and uh, lots of fun idea. Fun fun, I guess fun, uh, intriguing ideas came up as we were talking, at least for me. Um, so I hope everyone enjoyed it out there. So Stephanie, where can people find you? What do you got going on? Is what, what would you like to share? Well, so you can find me on Instagram at dark moon astrology, and that's underscores between the words. So dark underscore moon underscore astrology. Um, and, and there's a link in, yeah, the bio of my Instagram to my Substack, which is called, as you might imagine, the Mercury Papers. And I've been not quite as active on my Substack because of all this PhD, you know, work that I'm juggling with full-time work as well. Um, but I'm hoping once the PhD is behind me, I'll be more active again on my Substack, but I do put little, um, shorter sort of glimpses of my Substack posts up on the Instagram. So yeah, that's the Mercury Papers Substack. Perfect. All right. Stephanie Warner. 
Yes. And I, it is not the last of Stephanie. We will see her once she's out from under the academia uh, crunch. Yes. uh, You do have a, you do have a lovely climb coming with Jupiter and Saturn as it keeps rising to your chart. So we'll say that, right? She's like, oh, um, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Straight to work after this podcast. Yeah. Oh, well, I wish you luck with that. Uh, forward. Absolutely. So, uh, of course, I'll stare, or I'll share Stephanie's information on my own website when hopefully it gets back up. Oh, my God, I forgot yeah, right before we. That. Oh, my. I don't know what's going on. Mercury is messing with me hard, especially a full Mercury moon in my third is... and ninth. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, I did. Hopefully I'll have a website and an email because my email is a, <laughs> with my website at energeticprinciples.com. So wish me luck there. Uh, and you can also find me on Instagram at energetic principles uh, and Facebook too. But you know, Instagram, that seems to be the place. Um, yeah. So I do have my newsletter that comes out monthly, the heavenly winds. So if you'd like to sign up for that, you can do that at my website as well. And I, you know, uh, I didn't even get to say I redid my whole website. I fully redid it. Like couple days ago and launched it. And so I don't know what's going on with it up there, but hopefully you'll get to see it in its new form uh, and be able to check that out. And uh, we do have some podcasts coming up with a nodal panel here um, that will be out in a couple of weeks. I thought you were going to say noodle panel. It'll be a, a noodle a nude noodle panel on the notes. And so you're going to want to show up for that. Uh, and yeah, I got a nice little steady stream of broadcasts coming. So stay tuned. Um, and really, I, I know I always ask for people to uh, submit a review wherever you listen to this podcast. Uh, and I know that a lot of listeners have done that. And I really am appreciative of that. But if you feel called, it really helps the podcast be seen and helps myself and guests like Stephanie be, uh, you know, rise to in the algorithm. So if you do have the time and the energy um, to show appreciation that way, I would Uh, that would be wonderful. Uh, And, you know, it is Aquarius season coming here. So share it with a friend, uh, spread the good word uh, and get that, get this broadcast out there. Um, And really, yeah, it was a pleasure talking with you here today, Stephanie. I really enjoyed you as a guest and I hope you will join me again. I would love that. Thank you so much. And good luck with your Mercury things. Yes. Thank you. I'm going to need it. So, all right, everyone. Well, thank you so much for tuning in uh, as we talked about Aquarius season 2022 here. Uh, We wish you all the best of luck during Saturn's reign. And as always, may the stars be with you. Mm -hmm.